Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. I'm going to keep going on with our theme that we started last week, Here Comes Heaven. And I don't often, in fact, I'm not sure the last time that I did a recap on a previous week, but I'm going to do a little bit of that this morning because we talked about three prayers that would heavenize earth. And today I want to give you a fourth prayer um, and just bring us all in on the same page with realities. We are commonly understand that we're part of the kingdom of God. Is that right? Two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom of God. One thing that we must accept is that there's only one commonality between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There is one thing and one thing only in common between the two kingdoms. And that is that both seek the same thing. They seek to win the heart and soul of mankind. You've got to know that God is after your heart. God is after your soul. But unfortunately, at the same time, so is the Prince of the Ruler of this world. He is after your heart. He is after your soul. He's not just trying to get you to stuff up or to muck up. He's trying to grab hold of you for eternity. The big theme from last week's message really was this reality that God told Aaron, the priests in the Old Testament, that whenever the priests would bless the people, God Himself would bless them, which is powerful. It is so powerful to realise that as a priest, with a priest and calling upon my life, when I bless someone, God Himself in heaven will bless that person. But here's the flip side of that. I could say this, without feeling like I'm stepping outside the boundaries of truth, biblical truth, that whenever you curse someone, the devil himself curses them. That's why the Bible tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue and those that understand it will eat its fruit. What fruit do you want, blessing or cursing? Bring that together with sowing and reaping. I don't know about you, but I want to reap some blessing, not some cursing. I don't know about you, but it doesn't matter how that person responds to me. The way I'm going to respond is in line with the harvest that I'm looking for into the future. And so I do have a message today that uh, is kind of catchy, but you could catch the wrong message if you don't listen clearly. But here it is. The first part of the message is get out. The second part is clean out and the third part is step out. It's gonna come from Luke chapter 15 eventually when we get there. But the reality is I believe God wants us to get out of the flock, to clean out our own house and to step out and embrace the sinner. Ooh. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 is where we'll go because that'll get us on the right track. It's the Bible, the Gospel. And again, just looking at where Jesus wants us to change the way that we pray. Matthew 6 and verse 9, Jesus said, Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may Your Name be kept holy. May Your Kingdom come soon. May Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Give us today the food we need. I have to pause there because the moment that is read, the moment that is spoken, people think, oh yeah, God in heaven is thinking about what I'm having for lunch. No, He's not. He's not thinking about what you have for lunch where it says, give us this day the food we need. 
It's talking about spiritual food. It's not talking about steak on the plate, although there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's rare or blue. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that, but God is actually thinking about the fact that we require a spiritual nourishment that only He can provide. And if you don't realise that, you will spend much of your life trying to nourish your soul, trying to nourish your spirit with junk food. And God doesn't put junk food into your spirit. He wants to put solid meat. He wants to put milk. He wants to put the bread of life on the inside of us so that we can carry the strength spiritually, the authority that we need for the purpose that God has given us. Are you with me? Pray like this. Give us today the food we need. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Can someone say a yes, an amen, or what is that about? As it is in heaven. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The cycle of life is interesting, don't you think? Forgive us our sins at the same time as we are forgiving those who sin against us. You cannot separate those two truths, those two, those, those two commands of God that we would find forgiveness for ourselves and at the same time release forgiveness to others. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. Serious moment for you to think and pause about the one you have not yet forgiven. I do believe forgiveness is a miracle. I don't believe that I'm wired naturally to forgive. I'm wired naturally to punch them in the nose, tap dance on their bottom lip, give them a knee lift and another lift. That's the natural tendency of me, not for you, because you're way too holy for that stuff. But it says there, forgive me my sins as I have forgiven. Forgiveness must be past tense. Gone so quiet in this Presbyterian church. And don't let us yield to temptation. By the way, we're not Presbyterian, but not against Presbyterian, just in case. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Just a quick reminder from last week uh, on the subject of prayer, because we're talking about bringing heaven to earth. We're talking about here comes heaven. We're talking about the fact that God has called us to literally heavenise earth. Prayer changes the atmosphere over you. It changes the attitude within you and the world around you. Prayer changes the atmosphere over you the attitude within you and the world around you. Bible prayer requires that we would surrender our will to constantly be able to say to God, not my will, but your will be done. It comes out of a father and son relationship. Our Father in heaven, when Adam fell in the garden, he didn't fall from heaven, he fell from his relationship with God and in so doing, lost his spiritual authority. When Jesus came to the earth to save mankind, he came to save us from a crisis eternity, absolutely. But he also came to restore us to our rightful place of authority before God. You and I are called to have dominion over the things of the earth. Come on, you and I are called to have dominion 
to rule and to reign, not just to make it through, not just to survive, but to thrive. And I, I don't know what is gonna happen in 2022, but I do know this, I'm looking to thrive, not just survive. I'm not just gonna get through, I'm gonna go through 2020 and find myself making a difference and advancing in every single area of my life. We are called to bring heaven to earth and it starts with prayer. I would say actually it starts and finishes in prayer. I'm not talking about superstitious prayers. I'm not talking about vending machine, lottery-like prayers. I'm talking about prayer that changes everything. Jesus said, when we pray, believe that you have received it and it shall be done for you. There's a kind of praying that's not begging. It's a kind of praying that is confident. It doesn't have to be loud. It can be quiet and it can change everything. It can be loud if you want to, God's not against it. But can I remind us, God does not have a hearing problem. Reading on Matthew, no, we're not in Matthew, we're going somewhere else. Because we live in these days of polarising views and opinions, fractions and distractions, conflicts and conspiracy. What we need more than ever before is to heavenise earth. What we need more than ever before is for the sons and daughters of God to actually be revealed upon the earth. You should stand out in the crowd not for a uh, selfie moment or an Insta moment, but you should stand out because of the kind of spirit and attitude that you carry. And I see a bunch of people, I see a room full of people, I see a Zoom full of people that actually stand out for the right reasons. If you feel just even a little bit inspired this morning, you're allowed to clap, you're allowed to shout. I don't care if you wave hankies because I need all the encouragement I can get. Just don't dance naked like David did because that's just not acceptable. Three kinds of prayers. I'm praying for you, number one. And you've got to know I'm praying for you, that the Lord would bless you and protect you. The Lord would smile on you and be gracious to you that the Lord would show you His favour and give you His peace. I'm praying that for each and every one of you. I'm praying that when I bless you, God Himself from heaven blesses you. I'm not saying He's gonna bless you because you deserve it. If you think God is gonna give you what you deserve, you should think again. I am so glad I have not received what I deserve. I am so thankful that I've received a whole bunch of stuff that I don't deserve. That is the nature of the Gospel. That is the nature of heaven meeting earth. I'm praying for you. Number one was the first prayer that we looked at. The big theme from last week was that God Himself will bless people when you bless them. The second prayer was, I prayed for you. I'm not just praying for you, but I'm there to pray for you when you're in your time of need. And next time I see you, if you're in a time of need, I'm gonna be able to say, I prayed for you. I prayed for you, not because I've seen it on a post or I was added to a prayer chain, but because when you communicated that thing to me, it hit my heart enough to affect my personal time of prayer. And I'm gonna be able to say, you know what? I prayed for you for that healing. I prayed for you that you'd get that job. I prayed for you that you secure that home. I prayed for you because I'm connected to you. And then the final one we looked at last week was, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? Because when we can come into a place of agreement with another person, with a brother and sister in Christ and pray together, Jesus says from heaven, if two of you will agree here on earth concerning anything, 
I myself will do that for you. There is power in agreement. Agreement is powerful. That's why right now there's this conspiracy. Listen, there is a conspiracy going on in the world today. It's real. You don't have to snope it or Google it. You can actually see it really clearly. The conspiracy is this. The enemy is out to divide and conquer, to separate and to bring conflict so that you can stop getting into a place of agreement with a brother and sister that has Jesus as Lord because He knows if you can get into agreement concerning anything, your prayer life will become powerful. Listen, the atmosphere is changing over you. The attitude is changing in you. The world is changing around you because we're coming into a place of agreed prayer. I might have had too much coffee. I feel like I'm talking fast, but slow it down on the online view. Just kind of dial it down a little bit so you can catch it all in room, put up with it. The first three prayers, sorry, Jesus, forgive me. The first three prayers are really centred towards Christians. But this next prayer that I believe is really going to help us heavenise earth is about praying for those outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, because they don't know Him. Outside of Christ, in need of healing. Outside of Christ, antagonistic towards Christianity. Maybe even enemies. It's interesting that Jesus says we're supposed to pray for our enemies. I want to slap them up the side of the head. God, Jesus says, pray for them. Actually, when I want to do that, it just reveals the nature of my humanity, which is bent towards evil. And when I hear God say, pray for them, it brings me back towards the purpose that God has put me here for. Agree, finding a place of agreement with, with people that you don't really agree with their values. But I'm not there to debate with them. I'm there to hear their story, to listen to their perspective. I have found time and time again, I, I, I have neighbours, well, used to have neighbours just across the road who are Muslim and I found them to be the most beautiful, loving, kind people. Bumped into one the other day, I was working for a day or so and he kind of had to say quickly because he found out I was a preacher and a minister, he had to say quickly that he was a Muslim. And I didn't find the need to debate or find a point of difference, just looked for moments of commonality. And as I did that towards the end of the day, he says, I wish I'd never mentioned that. He says, because I like you. I said, why wouldn't you? <laughs> I didn't do that. I, I actually did not do that. But, but honestly, let's just talk honestly. I said, I like you too, dude. What he was really saying was, I heard him. I heard him. Actually, mostly people just want to be heard. David Osborger, in his book, Caring Enough to Hear and Be Heard, says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. One more time. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Getting to the message of get out, clean out, step out. Luke 15, 1 says, Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. 
they raised concerns among the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, oh, oh, did I miss some? Going okay? I know what I'm doing. Uh, they raised concerns among the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. In response, Jesus gave them this illustration. Can I remind you that Jesus was known for associating with notorious sinners and tax collectors? Can I remind you that we have been called to Christianity, not churchianity? Can I remind you that Jesus was there in every moment and phase and stage of His journey on earth for notorious sinners and tax collectors, for notorious sinners and real estate agents, for notorious sinners and accountants, for notorious sinners and lawyers, for notorious sinners and politicians, for notorious sinners. Come on, somebody help me. He was there for them. And as a result, the teachers of religious law raised concerns. I'm concerned about who you're mixing with, eh, bro? I'm concerned with who you're hanging out with, ma'am. No, no, not Jesus. The rest of Luke chapter 15 goes on to tell three stories. Jesus wants to make sure that everyone gets the message. It's the message of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son. And I know you hear me talk about this often, but you're going to hear it again because I was meditating on it this week during work and I was singing about the fact that, you know, really in the story of the lost sheep, Jesus is talking to His church and saying, get out of the flock. Get out from the flock. Don't just get so engrossed in gathering together as a church and gathering together in Connect and being together in a prayer meeting. Of course, those things are amazing, but actually we're called to gather so that we can go out and get out from the flock and find, you've got to be careful with that. You've got to get out from the flock and go to the lost sheep. We're called to Christianity, not churchianity. Gathering at church, connect, prayer. By all means, we've got to do that. They're beautiful, but they are actually designed so that we can then go. So that we can then go to the one that needs us to pick them up and carry them back into the house of God, carry them back into the presence of God. I know they might be rough around the edges. They don't use spiritual language. They use a bunch of whole other language that really is not appropriate for this environment. I get it. But Jesus said there are lost sheep that one needs to go to. You're going to have to leave that beautiful gathering of 99 and go after the one. Luke 15, 7, Jesus continued in the same way. There will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents, comes back home and returns to the fold more so than for all the righteous people at Awakened City who have never strayed away. When you read your Bible, you've got to read it that way. Like God celebrates and is more happy over one person coming to Him than the rest of us that have been and stayed and done the right thing. And I think sometimes religion says, well, I've been, I've stayed, I've been faithful, I've done the right thing. God, why aren't you happy? I'll tell you why. There's something lost in your life. 
And it's a sheep that only you can rescue. The second parable goes on to talk about a woman who cleans out the house, looking for the one lost thing. And I think often we are searching and trying to discover ourselves because something is missing. We sense something is missing in my life. And you know what God says to us? I know that biblically, humanistically, scholarly, that people are going to say what I'm about to say is not right. And I agree with you. But I'm thinking about it from this angle. The woman goes to clean her house to find the lost coin. And I think it's time that we as followers of Christ clean our own house out. And as we clean our own house out, we'll discover that valuable thing that's missing. And that missing thing is a lost brother or sister who has been lost in the process. Like there's each and every one of us in the room has that one person that only we can go on the search and rescue mission for. The pastor can't do it, your connect group leader can't do it, but you are the one that can search and rescue that one person. You have their ear. They listen to your voice. Matthew 7 verse 1, refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others and you will not be judged for you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and fail to notice notice the glaring flaws of your own? Ouch. How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First acknowledge and deal with your own blind spots. And then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. A few weeks ago, I read this quote that spoke to me on the issue of jealousy and criticism. And this is what the quote said. Jealousy is the trophy. Mediocrity awards excellence. In other words, you'll only suffer jealousy when you step out from the crowd and attempt to achieve something Outstanding, But don't allow that to make you critical. Set pure motives for yourself and towards others. When we clean our own house, the one thing that takes place that surprises most people is we realise how much more cleaning there still is to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like your house is spick and span and clean and beautiful and just dirt free until you move that bed that hasn't been moved for 10 years. And you go, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was growing that in this environment. (laughs) Like the more you clean, the more you find there is to clean. And the less dirty others look. Are you hearing me? Get out from the floor. Clean out your house. And then finally, Step out to embrace a lost son. In the third story, the story of the prodigal, when I read that story of the prodigal returning home, I don't see him in a place of what many call true repentance. You know, many religious folk talk to you about what the prodigal's got to do before he can come home. And they use this story and say that... He, he, he repented in the pit. I, uh, are we reading the same story? 
when he comes to himself in the pit, he basically says, I'm so flippant hungry. I realise that even my father's servants at home had food enough and a place to sleep. I'm heading home to be a servant. He only really comes to repentance when he is face to face and eye to eye with the father who the father says to him, forget that stuff. You know, he, he comes with this whole spiel, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against, against you and against earth, heaven. Just make me one of the hired sons. He's really still trying to look after his stomach. And it's when the father says to him with mercy, hey, put the robe on, take the ring, servants clean his feet. The father immediately restores to him right standing, authority and faith for tomorrow. Three things happen in that moment. He, he restores right standing in relationship. Puts the ring on of authority. He gives him his, he says, you know what? Your authority's not gone. You're not coming back here as a servant. You're still a son. And then puts clean sandals on his feet, which his servants would have had to come down and wash his feet, which was faith for a brand new day. And so repentance really came when the Father says, I'm not giving you all that judgment. I'm just going to give you this. Full restoration, relationship, authority and faith for tomorrow. A brand new day. Can I pray with you in this moment? Because I think this is a hint. Wind it up, Pastor. It's over. Father, thank you right now that you are calling us to heavenise earth. That we get to the place where we pray for others outside of Christ, outside of Christianity, so that they could encounter you in a life transforming way. God, whether they're a lost sheep, lost from the fold, a lost coin, someone lost within the house within the mechanism of everyday church life or they're a prodigal who has willingly walked away God I pray that we'd be the kind of people that would pray and say God I'll be the one that'll leave the 99 and go after the sheep that is lost and strayed I'm ready to clean up my own life so I can find that one person that's missing that is valuable to you I'm ready, God, to step out and embrace the prodigal as he returns home. God, we understand that it was the Father's mercy that became irresistible to the prodigal. It was for him, heaven on earth. May we be heaven on earth for others. God, I'm thinking about family gatherings, work gatherings, church gatherings that will happen over the next few weeks where if we're honest with you God some of us are hoping that one person won't be there God I pray that we'll be that person for the one that we would be the irresistible mercy of the Father for the one in Jesus name Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. 
If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.